Zig coming in at the top of the interview. Today I have Grammy-nominated jazz guitarist from Akron, Ohio, Dan Wilson. I was super stoked when Gall told me Dan was going to be playing virtual shows CLE Sunday at 8 p.m. As a guitar player and as a jazz fan, as someone studying jazz, this has been someone I've always wanted to kind of pick their brain a little bit and learn about them, so this was a really exciting experience for me. I'm going to play you a little bit of one of Dan's songs called Long Story Short. Check it out. Dan Wilson offers record to whom it may concern. All right, friends, if you can like, rate, subscribe, review, leave a comment on the podcast, on any of the podcast platforms, be it Spotify or Apple. It really helps us put the podcast where it needs to be so we can get these artists' voices heard. All right, here we go. Dan Wilson. Right in. This is a Zig at the Gig podcast. I'm hanging out with Dan Wilson. How's it going, my friend? Doing all right, man. What's happening? Nothing much. How's quarantine been? Oh man, I have the 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 beard of a castaway, but uh, <laughs> other than that, you know, <laughs> doing pretty good, you know. <laughs> nice man, being able to stay afloat, teaching a lot. Yeah, yeah, teaching a lot, but it's it's I'm I'm definitely feeling the pinch. Uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's just it took everybody by surprise, and I was actually I, I played um, the jazz cruise and the. Blue Note at Sea Cruise back wow. in February, so yeah. I'm really thankful nothing happened there because I mean yeah. two straight weeks of being on a cruise ship, that's like the perfect storm for a, for a virus to spread for sure. And just being on a you cruise know? ship for two weeks straight, that has to by day three uh, you got to be like I'm done with this. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, man. It was. I mean, if if I wasn't around so much great music, you know, then I I I definitely would have just lost my mind and maybe gone swimming. You know, <laughs> but but uh, wow, man. Well, who are you playing with on that? Were you bouncing? Um, playing that, a bunch of... I, well, the, I was on there with uh, with Christian McBride. Um, oh. no, I, I play in this trio with uh, with Emmett Cohen, incredible piano piano player. And uh, but while I was on there, I, I got a chance to do a lot of different things. Just I I played with uh. Uh, Dave Sanborn and uh, wow. 
Joe, uh, Joey D. Francesco. Um, who else? Uh, just a, a ton of different people. I played in a couple of uh, image groups. Where I did some solo stuff and some duo things. Uh, so I, it was it was really nice. I mean, just you know, two straight weeks of just uh, just some of my favorite musicians. You know, that that was uh, it was pretty cool. Man. That sounds awesome. Usually, I've, yeah. I've talked to a few people who have done um, the cruise gig, and either yeah. it burns them out right away because you know you got like three, four, five shows a day, and you're mm-hmm. playing the same the same room, and it's hard to it's hard to get through it. But that sounds way more exciting, and it sounds like you guys oh. like to um, experiment way more than the few I've talked to. Oh yeah, it was, it's way better because like it's, it's it's one thing if if you're doing if you're like in the house band on yeah. a on a cruise you know, cruise ship gig that can be taxing to your soul. You know, because you're, you're basically, you know, a lounge act. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you're playing like Fly Me <laughs> to the Moon, you know, night after night to drunk patrons, you know, and that, yeah. that can that can drive you nuts. <laughs> Especially when you can't can't get away from it. Oh, man. Yeah. You're that guy that played Fly Me to the Moon. Yeah. How does the one part go? You know, that's just, <laughs> uh. <laughs> can, you, can you do it again? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Well, that's cool. That's, that's cool that it was such a unique and, like, experimental, like, experience as opposed to just, like, the the lounge act. Now, exactly, yeah. You do a lot with Joey, man. Yeah, well, I, I did. I, I played in this band for four, four years, four or five years, something like that. Um, I think I think it was five years. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, he, he has a new group now, so I'm... I'm uh, I'm uh, playing mostly with uh, Christian McBride and uh, he rips too, man. Oh man, Christian is ridiculous. Yeah. But Joey was like my my entrance into like the, you know, like the the larger scene, and you know, that was a that was a real butt kicking, you know. Yeah. How'd that yeah, How'd that come about? How'd you cross his path? Well, um, there's a, a drummer from Buffalo, a great drummer from Buffalo named Carmen and Torre. He uh, he played. For- for uh, the great guitarist Pat Martino, wow, and, and uh, he actually recommended me to Joey. He 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 had known Joey for a long time, and uh, <clears throat> Joey was like, uh, "Carm, I'm looking for another guitar player. You know any young guys that are out there?" And Carm was like, "There's this guy named Dan Wilson, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he'd be great for the group, you know." <laughs> and I get a I get an email from. Uh, from Joey's wife and manager saying, "Would you be interested in playing with in playing a gig with Joey?" I was like, "Yeah, let me let me check my calendar. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing but space." You know, and we played a gig at the Dirty Dog Cafe. That was 2014, uh, January 2014, and it was it was un- it was an unbelievable gig. And I didn't hear from him for a year. So I was like, "Man, wow. I must have sucked." You know? Oh man, yeah. And, but to, he said uh, he called me like fall 2015. Uh, and he was like, "All right, so I'm gonna need you for uh, going on the road, and we're gonna record an album. We have a seven week tour set up." Whoa! I was, I was like, "What?" <laughs> Man, that'd be that's so weird that you have this amazing gig and you're just you're vibing from it for days, and you don't hear from them from a year. Yeah, man, I, I was eat at the soul for sure. Like, what did I do? Uh, <laughs> did you yeah, not man, like how I? Was, I... <laughs> yeah, I was for a year. I was like reevaluating life. I was like, <laughs> man, did I make the right decision? You know, 
<laughs> but it, it was cool, man. Like he he just uh, and, I mean just right into it. Like we went we went to Europe. We went wow. just all over. You know, we went uh, did Northern Italy. We did uh, we went to like Hungary. Um, all all these places that I, I read about, yeah, you know, but just never experienced, and I, I it was really incredible. You know, that sounds amazing. Like they yeah, go, man. like they even travel to another state and be like, "Yeah, I have a gig. That's why I'm coming to this place." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It feels so cool. You're like, yeah. "I'm gonna check out their Starbucks and that one." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like here in America is all kind of the same, but still, it's exciting to go somewhere new and they go Absolutely. to a completely different country for that reason with him. Wow, man. Yeah. How was it? Yeah, like, the music scene, the little bit you got to see when you're in each spot, was it completely different? Did they just eat you guys up? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, because he's, he's been a star since he was like 17. Yeah. He, he got the gig with Miles Davis. And, you know, so he, he's been he, he's been a star. So it was like, you know, it's like routine for him. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and that was like a running joke. Uh that I, I would always uh, tease him, like, man, you kind of walk through the crowd like you you've done this one too many times, you know. Like I'm walking, I'm shaking every hand. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. How you? No, how you doing? You know, <laughs> like, uh, oh, but man. Uh, yeah, man, it, it was it was incredible, man. And, and just like you go to those countries like Italy and Spain, and all they want to do is feed you. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I was more than happy to uh, <laughs> to oblige them, you know. It's hard to turn down free food, no That's matter right. where you're at. Yes, <laughs> As a musician, yeah. you're like, yes, I'll take two plates. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> wow, man. And you, what was the first album you did with him? Was that the Project Freedom? No, it was uh, the trio album, uh, Trip Mode. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was Trip Mode. Uh, and then we did uh, we did Project Freedom. And then that... that uh, um, we got that got nominated for the for the Grammy. Yeah, that's and, something, uh, man. That's a ripping was wild album too. I I didn't man, I did not believe it. I was I was uh, I'm, I'm, I was playing the Village Vanguard for the for the first time with uh, Christian McBride and Joey called me up. Hey Dan, we got nominated. I'm like, <laughs> this, don't lie to me. <laughs> I was like, stop lying, man. And sure enough. Oh man, that's cool. Could not believe it. How did yeah. was that post or pre gig? When you're uh, that was pre gig because so, I was because I remember he woke me up with the call. Wow, I was like, uh, <laughs> hello, you know, and then yeah, yeah. I got that news. You know, that had to mess up the gig a little bit going into it oh. like in a vibe and like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, I was I was not right the entire day. <laughs> that's so it was cool, unbelievable, man. man. Wow, so. Yeah. Okay, so when did you start working with Christian? Uh, when did I start working with McBride? Uh, maybe 2016 or 17, something, okay. something, something like that. Uh, but it it was while I was I was working with Joey. Um, I got a because I I met I met McBride through Terry Pontremoli. Yeah. Um, from Tri C Jazz Fest, and nice. shout out to Terry for yeah, for the for introduction, because he he didn't know me from Adam, you know, and she was like, uh, she was like, uh, Christian, there's this guitar player, you, you guys have to play together. He was doing, he was an artist in residence at Tri C, yeah. and she she's like, uh, you got you got to meet this guitarist, you you'll love playing with him, 
blah, blah, blah. And so he comes and it's supposed to be like a jam session. But we end up, uh, we end up playing duo. Okay. We, we play three tunes. I, I know we, we play uh, Bolivia by Cedar Wall. We played uh, Sunny Moon for two and Honeysuckle Rose. Okay. And cool. man, this, this dude, I, I mean, he took that bass apart, put it back together and it, it was unbelievable. Then I didn't hear from him for a year. That, what's with this and, year uh, thing, man? That's so I don't know. What, I don't know these, these Philly guys, man. So <laughs> I get I get a call from his manager. He's like, uh, "You want to join McBride's band?" I'm like, "Yes, ab- <laughs> yes, absolutely." <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Did you guys? Yeah, did man. you guys play at Mahal's at one point? That was that was the first one. That, that was, was the, okay. that was the first time we ever played together. Yeah. Okay, I was talking with a uh, Joe Wrangle. And he was saying, he's like, yeah, they played this this gig at Mahal's, and it was insane. And, like, he was saying, how, yeah, you tore apart these tunes, and, like, that's crazy. I didn't know that was the first time. He that was the first time. Any. That's, wow, man. First time, man. Like, I, I um, and I, that's, it's one of those gigs that I feel like I have been practicing my whole life for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I felt the same way with Joey. You know, I, I, I just... You know the the music that I always loved and uh, and practiced to. Like I always felt like, man, those are I would love to be on a gig like that, and just to for it to happen was a, a real blessing. You know, that's amazing. Well, that's that's hopefully yeah. when all that practice and time put in pays off is in the moment, and you never know when that moment is. So, wow, yeah. man. <laughs> now, um, working with guys like that that have stories with miles and stuff. Is there like mm-hmm. endless like? cool like random tales on the road <laughs> you know what i mean like oh man yeah some <laughs> some of which i i, I can't really repeat yeah you know, but but so, i mean some of, like some public highlights that can be a lot <laughs> yeah 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 no they're, they're um i mean they, they have in, an endless amount of stories i mean there's a and it's cool to hear these stories you know of all your favorite jazz musicians because it, yeah. it, it humanizes them you know you think of them as these kind of larger than life figures, but you know, you figure out, oh man, they're, they're just a, they were just a, a dude with a bunch of quirks. Yeah, you know, they just happen to have this massive <laughs> arsenal of skill. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah, because you look at these records and these these posters of the record, and you're you're reading the books and you're seeing just these images and hearing these amazing sounds, and then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, Coltrane like sweets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like exactly. That's that's that's. That's a perfect example. Like there these giants among men, you know, it's like he couldn't resist sweet potato pie. Yeah. You know. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So that that makes me, you know, it makes my affinity for fried chicken and other fried foods, you know, a little a little more bearable, you know. But in a way that still makes them more legendary. You're like, ah oh. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so cool, man. Now yeah. What got you into guitar? What was your kind of like start to all this, and what got you kind of down the path of jazz? Uh, well, so I the the church that that I grew up in. Um, also, you can probably hear my nephew in the background. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so the the church that I grew up in, uh, you know, the music was just like just central to to everything we did. Um, and, and there were like, I can name like 30, 40 guitar players offhand, just offhand, yeah. you know, from, from that church that, that I, that I idolized, you know, uh, 
it, because it, was, it was a special type of, of gospel music that that really uh, lent itself to jazz. And I um, I remember when, when I first I started listening to jazz, I was like, I remember thinking, man, this is just, this ain't nothing but church music uh, with huh. a couple more chords. Yeah, you know, yeah, because you know, and it's not like you're. you're I mean, it is it's traditional gospel music in a sense, but there's like a, there's a walking bass line. Yeah, you know, it's it's guitar. There's always two guitars, uh, two guitars, bass, drums, tambourine, piano. So, <clears throat> you know, and and all all my favorite guitar players in the church listen to Wes Montgomery, listen to George Benson, they listen to Grant Green, they love wow. Charlie Christian. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just I just grew up copying what what they did. And then when when I heard Benson and West, I was like, "Oh man, this sounds like uh, Elder Elder uh, Ray Green. This sounds like Mark Green. This sounds like Arthur Gale. This sounds like Israel Simpson. You know, I'm just yeah. like, you know, wow. so so they, mm-hmm. so was it like the voices they were using, or the phrasing, or both of it that lent itself to like a more jazz influence? And then, well, all 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 of it, like yeah. all of it, uh, the the voicings, the um, the the way the music swung every song swings yeah okay you know every, wow. every there's there's no like you know there's no pocket yeah uh, music in that church everything swings wow. and uh so like i, I just remember cause i when, when we used to play the uh church conventions every uh august the church headquarters is in Coshocton, ohio um i used to listen to me and my cousin Cedric used to listen to uh, West Montgomery and Jimmy Smith yeah. before before <laughs> services. Then I used to try to play that stuff in <laughs> okay. the uh, in the services. I used to get in trouble. You know? <laughs> They'd be like, uh, "Brother Wilson, uh, we realize that you like uh, West Montgomery and <laughs> Jimmy Smith, but uh, there's a place for it." You know, I'm thinking like, "Yeah, that place is." Uh, you know, I played it earlier. You know, <laughs> it's in that pocket. It's the right way yeah. to put it. It's yeah. on that change. <laughs> right. Wow. Well, that's that's a really cool way, like, because I think, like, jazz, when you look at it from, like, if you never heard jazz and you looked at Coltrane, you're like, whoa, that's that's a lot. You know, that's almost, mm-hmm. or, or anyone put the name there. And, like, when you see the real deal, it's almost like for someone who's never experienced it, unless they have that mm-hmm. weird thing in their brain that's like, this is it. This yeah. kind of step stones. And that's a really interesting way of how, like, your whole musical journey kind of was along that path. Yeah. That's really cool. So do you well, still... Sorry. Uh-huh. No, no, you keep going. You keep going. No, I, I mean, I mean to, to that point, I think it's uh, the way jazz is discussed is, uh, like, nowadays, um, it's, it's discussed in terms of uh, not really being connected to any specific culture. Yeah, but it is you know like African music, African American music exists in a in a continuum, you know, and it's and it's cumulative. You know, you have spirituals, you have gospel, you have the blues, uh, you know, all the like the field songs, and and you know all all this stuff uh, is interrelated, you know, and so that that was just my culture, you know. Gotcha. It's just like uh, you know, but the, the but the way uh, jazz is discussed. Uh, many times is, is uh, the, like the cultural component is is kind of left out, but that's such a huge part of it. Definitely, definitely, it's you almost know? like 
when you look at music from around the world and you see like certain rhythm um, rhythms like in um uh cuba and like mm-hmm. whenever there's that type of swing or that specific type of rhythm that's added to it it's coming from a different culture or an african culture it's like a blend of things and yeah. uh, it's interesting even like when you like step back and like you see the rock guy who's just learning rock chops, you know, and like mm-hmm. that's its own culture when it's within itself. It's weird yes. how like I, I was thinking about that the, the other the other day. Like it's a weird like music is almost in any genre or any sort is kind of like the study of some culture, and like mm-hmm. a lot of times you're learning like um, standards. If it's yeah. like rock, like you're learning, like walk this way and smoke on the water, or if it's bluegrass, a blue con- um, or um, jazz, or like pop. If there's these set standards that you learn, so you can do the gig, you can expand from. So uh, it's mm-hmm. every genre is like a weird, like a uh, culture study, a culture crash course. Yeah, and and that's that's uh, one, been one of the most fascinating things about music to me. Is it's it's kind of it, it, you're right. It's, it's like a window into uh into culture you know and 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 that's one of the cool things like when, when i started uh trying to learn brazilian music that was that was kind of a a, a window into into that specific culture you know that's a cool cool guitar sounds it, there man oh man it's, it's it's incredible man and they have their songbook is so expansive yeah you know you can spend <laughs> uh you can spend a whole lifetime and not and not get through the whole thing you know was it wow man yeah well and it's such a part like you think of carnival and you went to rio right to study yeah yeah Mm -hmm. the first time yeah how was that oh man it was it was incredible uh it was like uh you know i i went down there and i I just barely spoke portuguese you know um are you fluent so i i I can carry on a conversation but I, i wouldn't i wouldn't consider myself fluent yeah, cool. You know, still, I, I, yeah, I actually ended up going back there for my, uh, for my honeymoon and I was, I was, I was a little better then. So, so we were able to get around nice. and, uh, you know, kind of experience a, a, a little more, but man, that, that music, man, I, I really, I think, uh, as far as like African based music in the Americas, I, f- I feel like African American music and Brazilian music are uh kind of cousins our our close cousins you know just just because i mean they swing differently but they, the fact that that they swing is is, is like you know it, it just makes them really really closely related like when you're hearing uh like a brazilian 16th note you're not yeah. hearing dega 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 you know you're hearing a a specific uh, type of accent, a specific type of language. The same way when when you hear swing, when you're hearing, you know, ding, you take it to ping, you take it to get boom, doom, you take it to, you know, there there's a certain type of weight that's on on the quarter note. Yeah, you know that that's really not it's it's not straight and it's it's not uh, directly on on the beat. You know, wow. And then was it? Uh, I because I um, I'm a music teacher at a charter school out of Parma. Mm-hmm. And with this whole mm-hmm. COVID thing, like I've been teaching from home and doing like online lectures and we're learning mm-hmm. about music from around the world. And I've been diving into Brazilian music 
and like mm. yeah and trying to learn it myself like from a book is a completely different thing and i was talking with a friend and um this is a side note but like he mm. was i was like what do you think is the best way because my friend he studied flamenco music and he went to um, he went to spain and like did the whole the whole like field study and went out there and was like studying with a guy and he couldn't like he wouldn't speak English in the lesson, but out of the lesson, he would talk to him in English. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, but he's like, the whole thing was kind of like, my friend was like, you got to immerse yourself in it and get in the culture and go there if you can. That's like the real way to learn this stuff. And like, 100%. And it's like, the guy not talking to me in English within the lesson almost made more sense with musically how some phrases fit hearing it yeah. in his own language. Because everything doesn't translate directly. Yeah. Which is, that's, that's the cool, that's the cool part, man. You know, you you get to uh, experience something that you never would have thought of just as a result of being born where you, where you were, you know, and yeah. being born who you were. It's you know, so mind blowing how much of that is thrown into this. You know what I mean? Into this select yeah. notes and the you know, like it's so weird how much of it is all culture and like, yeah. and that makes it so hard to learn something from afar. But um, yeah, but yeah, there is a weird with the the weird like rhythms in two and then like the uh the uh getting like everything there's that inti- uh anticipation in like brazilian yeah. music which is i i think it's really cool and fascinating but oh, like you beautiful. know tricky yeah. <laughs> what kind yeah of, yeah do you think um uh, like studying bossa novas or playing bossa novas what kind of got you into brazilian music oh th- that's simple the sound, that's just the sounds i guess read <laughs> Kip the Reed. bass player Kip Reed. That's uh, he's responsible for my my kind of obsession because I was uh, we we played a concert uh, when I was going to Hiram College in uh, 2005. Uh, I was like a, I was like 19 or 20 or something like that, and uh, we played a concert. And during uh, during rehearsal, I was just kind of you know I learned um, this tune called uh, "Somebody or Fail." Okay. Um, and it's ba da ba 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 da ba 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 da ba 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 da ba ba da ba 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 da. So I was playing some just terrible stock rhythm, and he was like, "Dude, let me see your guitar, man." And I was like, "Oh, all right." And and he just started playing, you know, I was like, "What the heck is that?" He was like, "Man, check out check out some Bossa Nova records. Check out Jean Roberto and." Dorival Kaimi and you know, and I, I after I, I heard uh, uh, Dorival Kaimi uh, voice and guitar, I, I I was like, this is it, this is it right here. It's a good record, wow man. Yeah, and I, I I got hooked, you know. Cool. There's it's weird yeah. that um, like music like that. That's kind of what you would can like and let, when you get into it. It's not, but from a, a distant listener, it's like, oh, that's relaxing, like that, and like reggae music. But so yeah. much of that music is politically charged, and like there's these huge political movements, and like it's amazing yeah. that tones like that are almost light with how like heavy that music is. Absolutely, yeah. That that's a um that's a great point because uh, and that, that's why I I. Uh, that's how I kind of started learning Portuguese. I, I, I wanted to know what the song lyrics were. And uh, there's a, that tune, uh, A Felicidade, yeah. but uh, uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim, and it's like the, the first line is, 
Tristeza não tem fim. Felicidade sim. Sadness has no end, but happiness does. <laughs> so what, right when there. I heard, and it's a, and it's a beautiful, like, beautiful yeah. song. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, all right, I need to, I need to, uh, the du- I need to get into this, you know? The duality of it's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Nice. Heavy stuff. Was it now, <laughs> you mentioned George uh, Benson before, and you recently got a chance to meet him, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that had to be epic. Man, I, yeah, man. That was, uh, that was 2017, I think, uh, the first time, the first time we met. And he came out to, uh, to hear, to hear Joey. And <clears throat> we, we played at, uh, where was that? At the Nash in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Man, I, when I tell you, so we, as soon as we got to the airport in Phoenix, uh, Joey, Joey's on, he's on the phone and he's looking at me and he's smiling like this, <laughs> this evil grin. And I'm like, uh, what's going on? He's like, uh, all right. I'll see you at the gig, George. Click. <laughs> I was, I was like, don't, no, don't, don't, don't play around, man. You know, cause I, th- this, this is, this is the, the guy that, uh, you know, I, I patterned my whole concept after. You know, yeah. I mean, like I've 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 uh, I've taken in a lot of influences, but but George is uh, is, is number one for me. And so I I was uh, before the gig, I'm pacing around the green room like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna play? What am I gonna play? Oh man! And you know, then I just came to the realization, like you know, after all of the inspiration that that this man has given me. I owe it to him to just go out there and and just play my best, you know. And we, man, we played uh, that that night. The the band was on fire, man. I mean, just the fact that a legend like that was in the audience, you know. Yeah. It just it just made us play that much harder, and uh, and he was really cool. He was really complimentary, and uh, he he was nice enough to just like come backstage and, and share stories with us. And I, I'll never forget. He, he said, uh, gave me one of the greatest compliments that you know, any jazz musician can hear. He said, yeah. young fella, young fella, you, you got your own style. I was <laughs> oh, like, snap. I was, I was like, okay, I could, I can quit now. I'm going to just retire. You know? Wow, man. That's insane. That, that had to keep it going for the next couple years. <laughs> absolutely. Jeez. Absolutely. You said that was the first time you met him? So did you yeah, run into yeah. him again? Yeah, in uh, Stuttgart, Germany. Wow. It was a... Uh, per we, chance? We actually... What's that? Was that per chance? Or were you guys gigging? Well, we, we were gigging um, at this this club called uh, Bix. And uh, that was a crazy that was a crazy weekend because Quincy Jones came to that gig. Whoa. Because he was in town doing a, a, a thing at the Stuttgart Jazz Open. Yeah. With George Benson and Dee Dee Bridgewater and wow. uh, Jacob Collier, so he uh, Quincy Jones, you know, we we uh, we start the gig and there's there's Quincy Jones in the in the front Ooh. row, so and we got a chance to hang with, with him and he he's like yeah man I, I remember man uh, George George Benson man you know he's uh he's a bad cat man but you got you cats are bad too man you know oh snap man that's wow dude that's yeah. so cool. I don't, that's it. <laughs> yeah, dude. It, it, I I was just like, 
I was bouncing off the walls that weekend. And then and George allowed me to come uh, backstage when he played the jazz open and, yeah. you know, play his guitar. Whoa. It was, it was it was so cool, man. He was so gracious, man. And I, I got a picture from that. And I just, I remember he, he gave me one of one of his picks. And then I, I tried to play. Yeah. I tried to play it. I, I sounded terrible. What was what was it like thick or something or what was it? Nah, it, it was a lot thinner than I'm used uh, to. Oh, okay. Because okay. he he could just glide over the strings yeah, like like yeah. it's nothing. I tried to play with that thing. I sounded. I was like, oh my gosh, I sound like a beginner. <laughs> you know. That's and so weird. I just kept. I just kept it. You know, I brought it home and yeah. my wife. Uh, my wife framed it so I wouldn't lose it. That's definitely a frame thing, for sure. Absolutely. Those Absolutely. paper ones are. Those paper thin picks are so weird and like. It's almost like at that point finger pick, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he he just happens to be like the the fastest gun in the East and West. Yeah, you know, <laughs> man. And he's I've I've watched. Have you ever watched um, the Hot Licks DVDs? Those, <laughs> yeah. Have you ever watched his? His is crazy. It starts off with him like being like, "This is how you make it sound like a bagpipe." You're like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, watching. that's that's genius level stuff, man. Because, I know. Like, you, if if you if you're not advanced, that stuff is gonna just just fly by because he's like oh yeah you know man that ain't nothing but uh you know yeah he's just like all over the thing (laughs) he doesn't really explain it too well unless you know it yeah man i've been going back to that one a lot trying to wrap my brain around it and i'm like i'll come back (laughs) yeah man that's that's some next level stuff man Wow. Next level stuff. But speaking about uh, picking, you got a really like amazing picking technique yourself. Oh, it's so Thank precise, you. and you can like you can do these insane runs. And like, what oh, a, was there that was? Uh, did you just naturally fall into that? Or was that a style you kind of developed? Um, uh, well, I, I really didn't think about it until like people started asking me about it much later. Because yeah. you know all the all the guitar players in, in my church. Uh, pick like that so I, I was just like you know just the, i think it was just the music that we were uh required to play mm. um d- demanded that gotcha that style so it was just kind of kind of a natural thing and, and I, I think most gospel guitarists uh pick that way interesting you know yeah uh, and that's one thing i've been noticing even gospel guitarists that, that didn't necessarily grow up in the church that i did um <clears throat> pick pick that the exact same way Okay, so you know, just, it's, that's interesting. They, this it goes back to this these church roots as far as like music as well. Like how much of your style grew from that? Wow. Oh man, yeah. I I just I couldn't you know that's that's where I learned to play music in general. You know, I uh, you know because everybody in the church is engaged uh, in the music at all times. Like if you're if you're not if, even if you don't play, you're you're clapping and you're motioning back and forth. Uh, you're singing. Yeah. You know, it's like we just did all congregational songs. There was no, there was hardly like at each individual church, there there was really no choir. Yeah. That would get up and sing. It was just, it would be all congregational songs. Wow. There's, you know? for just in general, to have a thing, to be doing a thing, the way to make it felt the most is to include everyone else. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're doing a fundraiser, if you're doing a class or whatever. People, mm-hmm. if you can invite people to get involved, they're gonna leave with the same amazement you went into with it. So like, that's a, yeah. that's the cool thing about churches and church music like that. Like, you can get involved with it, and it's cool to hear that like everyone essentially came in and found a thing to get involved with and feel the music and play the music. 
100%. Yeah, man. I, I, I think one of the most intense musical experiences of, of my life, I think, was the end of uh, the church summer camp, 2002. Yeah. I, was, I was 18. The, my buddy Ivan uh, Taylor, the great bass player, he's uh, he went on to play with Mulgrew Miller, Kenny Garrett. Wow. Um, it's like well, he plays for uh, this new piano player, uh, Connie Hahn. Okay. Uh, she's a new Mac Avenue artist. Uh, but, you know, he's played with everybody. I mean, uh, everybody you can think of. And uh, I mean, we, we were playing uh, the devotional service at the, the at the end of the camp. And I just remember just locking into a groove. We, we played this song called Talking About a Good Time. And I just remember locking into, into the groove and the entire church just was singing and dancing. People were out, out in the aisles dancing. There's a video of it somewhere. Yeah. I, I have to get that video. But you can see people just, like, really out in the aisles dancing and, uh, you know, just, just a complete worship experience. And uh, I, I, I remember uh, hearing the bass line kind of get messed up. And I look back, and Ivan is kind of like, Whoa. you know, He's like pulsing. He's like yeah. pulsing. Like he was. He called the Holy Ghost. Man. <laughs> yeah, man. That's just. I just remember thinking like, this is incredible. <laughs> wow, that's a, yeah. that's amazing that you, to go from playing George Benson's guitar to that. You know, I mean, wow, dude. Did he pull it through? Was he able to? Or did that baseline jump all the way? Yeah, man. No, he he, he pulled himself together and, and got right back on it. It was just that's killing. amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, man. So did you perfect the picking at all from that? Or was it just kind of like, just to kind of bring it back, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. No, I, I um, yeah, I, I, it was just like all the way, I don't know. It, it was like just the way I played just the, the whole time. But when pe- when I started teaching, that's when I started thinking about, you know, why it worked and, and how it worked. Gotcha. And so, like, right now I'm, I'm working, uh, I do these these online master classes. Yeah. Um where people can sign up through my website and uh I uh, where I explain some some of these techniques. I'm, I'm next month I'm going to do one on uh on uh, my right hand technique and just just like a, a comprehensive you know class with like multiple camera angles and sweet. Uh, sweet. Yeah, right. I've, I've been working with this guy named uh Phil Anderson. Yeah. Who's a ingenious producer. Nice. Uh, from from Akron, really really talented musician, and just uh, just an incredible. Uh, he has an incredible mind for for production and sound. It's amazing, like how much of like that rolls into the end of a product, right? Even though like mm-hmm. you can have like a ripping tune and an amazing song, and like if the mic's out of phase and upside down, and if the camera was completely off, what there's trying to be, it's these little things that make this whole experience bigger like yeah well that's cool that was a perfect plug man nice hopefully oh, man. Yeah, some people yeah. signing up for that <laughs> that's yeah, cool slip it in there man <laughs> beautiful know, yeah dude quarantine plug, times <laughs> plug anything out of all these yeah, questions because i got some guitar kind of guitar heavy questions but um of course. <laughs> plug away if you got some more classes <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> man danwilsonguitar.com holler <laughs> at me help, help me pay my light bill <laughs> beautiful um another thing um, kind of just in the guitar realm of things, like mm-hmm. watching you play. Because I was introduced to you through Bob Frazier. 
Oh, snap. I studied studied with him at CSU. And, like, Bob, (laughs) he did one of these things where he's like, uh, hey, Bob, how's it going? Oh, good. I got this. Uh, this is how I was at the Bob stop last night. I made a CD. He gives CDs to everybody, which is cool because he's always sharing yeah. me. And it can be anything. He's like, this is a choir rendition of some weird pop tunes all stacked in. F- I like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bob's just mm-hmm. the man. But he gave me a CD of you playing at the Bob stop. That was my introducing. Uh, that was my introduction to you was through oh, Bob, well. through a, <laughs> through his, uh, his recording there. And, like, I was like, whoa. Okay. Bob was right. This guy's amazing. And, no. um, so, and then I, I saw you at the Bop. I can't remember what uh, what concert it was though, but um, mm. I went there with him and I believe Joe. Um, but watching you just improv a lead, you get into like this zone, and this can be me projecting it because I'm watching just you rip. But when you're when you're in it and you're just playing over these changes, are you thinking about? Is like, are you? thinking about the chord change, the melodic saying, or, like, is it a combination of both? Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, so it's, it's like, you know, like, when, when you just pose that, that question to me, you know, yeah, you, you, you never thought about subject verb agreement, you know, you didn't, you didn't reference the alphabet once, yes, you know, you, you didn't think about, uh, uh, any, any grammar or anything like that because you spent so much time uh learning the English language okay you know that, yeah, that yeah. Now, now you can you can just freely kind of uh, communicate thoughts yeah. in a in a kind of natural fashion so for me like I, I used to practice like you know t- eight ten hours a day when I, when I yeah. was you know in my teens so you know, but by the time I, you know I reached kind of uh, adulthood, you know it, it just kind of, kind of came out. It just kind of gotcha. comes out, you know. Gotcha. Okay. So, but I, but I, I am thinking about, uh, <clears throat> I'm thinking about how how notes the notes relate to the chords and you know all, all of that stuff. But a lot of times it's just, you know, you I I spent so much time with the basics that, you know, now I'm, I'm able to kind of. Just get my point across in an effective fashion, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's, it's, uh, it's just like, um, what's where I'm thinking of? Not necessarily worrying about. It's thinking of the topic in a sense. So the chord, yeah. it would be the topic of the conversation, and then you can just converse on it because you've read upon it, whatever. It's kind of a very Victor Wootney um, mentality of uh, <laughs> explain just language, language. But it's that's that, that's one hundred percent. That's 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 it, man. It, it's uh, you learn, you know, you learn the language. You go through all the phases of uh, human language learning. You you know, you go through the, the imitative phase. Yeah. You know, first you, first you go through the listening phase, then you go through the imitative phase, then you go through uh, the uh, formal educational phase, then you start forming your own ideas. Once you've uh, you know, once you've internalized uh, so much of that stuff, like I'm, I'm seeing it with, with my kid now. She's two. Yeah. She, she's going through this imitative phase. Everything we say, she, she imitates it. But you know, eventually she's going to start forming her own ideas once she starts attaching meaning to, uh, to what she's hearing. Yeah. You know, and music is the exact same way. Once you yeah. start yeah. having experiences like on the bandstand, you know, learning, learning the lyrics to tunes. You know, you start attaching a lot of meaning to uh what you're uh to what you're hearing and what you're playing 
and then it, that causes you to to approach it differently. You know, I think that's very well said. Oh, thank you, thank you. Very it's well half said. the time I, I can't uh, <laughs> I can't explain it. You know? I mean, that's a, it's kind of that was kind of a tricky question. What do you think about when you do what you do? Like, oh man, no. <laughs> when, I was, when I wrote that down, I'm like, I don't know how that one's gonna go, but I think that was perfect. Your answer. Was oh, amazing. good. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> um, so too, man. How's that like changed the gigging life? As far as like having a kid and trying to hit the road as much, do you still do? Or are you kind of uh, the back in local? I mean, no, now. It, it, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, now we're we're, uh, we're like living on top of each other. But uh, <laughs> you know, no, it's it's it's, it's great, man. Uh, I uh, I definitely still love to travel, but. I I can't just be out for like like a month anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, and just be I can't just be cool with that, you know. Uh because like you know, uh, kids develop uh so much. They 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 can wake up in an entire entirely different body at this age, you know. It's crazy, so, man. Yeah, man. So I don't want to miss that, man. Yeah. You know. <laughs> like when when I was, you know, younger and, you know, uh, you know, so a lot of times, you know, my wife would be able to come, to come with me, and uh, yeah. like I mean, we we did a a week in, in Australia, and she she got to come for that. Wow, and, be cool. uh, yeah, man, we stayed a couple days after and just and experienced uh, Melbourne. It was, it was incredible, man. Yeah, man, and your amount of travel is so inspiring, my friend. That's so cool. That's so cool. Oh man. <laughs> Man, and I, I encourage even if you don't even if you don't do it for work, man. Yeah. You know, just to to get a window into uh, how other people live yeah. and how other people look at the world, you know that that's I think is a really important thing when you're because a lot of times uh, for and it's a little more natural for uh, like minorities to to have to adapt to being the the only one in the room. Yeah. That's that's kind of that's just kind of comes with the territory like when for us but yeah but but yeah man but but for a, a lot of americans that uh that i talk to that that's a kind of a novel experience for them and I, I think it's an important experience just like when you're the only one in the room it causes you to be like a lot more open to to what's going on around you yeah definitely okay I see. you know yeah 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 and like, yeah. i imagine that being in that position and just going around the world and seeing how the world looks at different parts of the world and just like how similar and how distant they are is going to make have some mental like rel- uh, revelatory like experience and you come back hopefully I, I'd imagine op- more open minded and more uh, more accepting to everyone at home and just <laughs> like how things work in other places definitely definitely man that, that was definitely it definitely knocked me out, man. Just like those those little subtleties, you know, that are just second nature to us. Like some as, as simple as like peanut butter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like you, it, you don't think about it's it. not a universal thing, man. Really? You know? No, man. <laughs> like uh, in Australia, they have this 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 thing called uh, Vegemite. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That is, man. It is disgusting. <laughs> have you had it Marmite? Disgusting, but. They, Mar- no, no, Mar- what's that? it's like a, it's like the English. Uh, I was working with this guy. He's a, he's from England and he's like a rock singer. He sings like Chris Cornell. <laughs> it's really out of nowhere. 
But he's really talented. Oh. And he's got this. He's like, you gotta try this Marmite, and it's this nasty like paste that sounds like Vegemite, and I'm sure it's equally. Like, <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> yeah, man. But but like, and 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 that's that really tripped me out. I was like, man, I've really been ignorant to to the fact that something like peanut butter is not universal. Like every, you know, almost every culture has uh, their different like a different paste or spread like that yeah. that tastes completely different. You know, then it all happens to go on toast. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's crazy, man. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. So another thing I wanted to um, ask you about was kind of related to paste and food was uh, you do a lot of hunting. Yeah, I do. Yeah. When, yeah. when did that come in? Was that uh, for experience from traveling? You're like, oh, this is cool. I can get into this here or like. Oh, no, that, that was about? that was. Man, that was way. That was before music, man. That was, really? Uh, oh yeah. Um, I started hunting when I was eight. Whoa. So, um, and it, it's it's crazy because my uh, my great grandfather. Um, so his his uh, his family um, were, were slaves. So he um, he left home when he when he was thirteen, and he had to uh, had to hunt to survive. So when he 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 came up to uh, from the south from Alabama, uh, brought my grandfather with him and taught him how to hunt. And then my grandfather, you know, taught my my dad and my uncles how to hunt, and so and they passed it on to me. So uh, and it just so happened that my the church that I grew up in, uh, in addition to having all this crazy guitar music, yeah, they were. Uh, there were a lot of people, a lot of guys who hunted. So we we would uh, we would get together for deer season, rabbit season, yeah. and uh, yeah, and there, there was an actual uh, wild game dinner every other year. Yeah, where they would serve um, like the the brothers would go out and and hunt and get uh, get deer, turkey, rabbit, um, all all this uh, all this wild game and. <laughs> I mean, we had what is it? Uh, we had uh, deer, turkey, rabbit, muskrat, squirrel, raccoon, um, all that stuff. Uh, all this wild game, and it would be a, a, a church event. Wow, man! This every, is, every other year, this is the coolest sounding church ever. <laughs> I was, yeah, man. It, it was uh, it was a great experience, and I still, you know, keep in contact with uh, a lot of the guys that I that I grew up hunting with. I yeah. mean. I learned, I learned so much about the outdoors from them, and so and that, that's like kind of my other my other passion. Like I I, I bow hunt, yeah, primarily. Ooh, that's got to be um, okay. That's even that's like a next level thing because that's not like you know there's precision in that and being able to pull that back and like mm-hmm. I guess man that has to relate to imagine like just with the mindset of learning a skill and accomplishing it and focusing at a thing and seeing it through type deal. That's the kind Absolutely. of relate a lot to music, no? Oh yeah, man, and, and I, I find this with with uh, a lot of ser- really serious jazz musicians. You know, once uh, like once you go, kind of go through that process of trying to master something, you it tends to to follow you in uh, every other walk of life. Well, not I shouldn't say every other walk of life, but. Uh, Things that you really take an interest in, yeah. You you really tend to uh, approach it the same way you did that 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 first skill, 
like Sean Jones is a is a prime primary example. Uh, you know, he he's achieved such excellence in uh, in trumpet. Yeah. Uh, that when, when he started uh, when he started running, he was like. It, like he, he approached it the same way he did the trumpet, so he's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm just running nine miles a day, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because he, he's already he's already going through that process of just immersing himself in uh, in learning a skill, That's- and you almost have to you almost have that tunnel vision. So he's like, yeah, of course, I've, uh, I ran nine miles a day, ten miles a day. I, I'm planning on doing fifteen next Tuesday, you know. <laughs> I guess that makes a lot of sense. You're able to discipline and put into like minor goals you can reach and just power through it and learn and accomplish that skill because you proved it once with this thing to that thing. And mm-hmm. I imagine like running has breathing, trumpet breathing. That's got some some similarities. Maybe that run, <laughs> pun intended, run in the <laughs> in line that way. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, geez, man, it seems like that's so amazing that from church all this communal stuff and like hunting from your whole family, like, that's an amazing, like, skill to have passed down. Like, uh, and it seems yeah. to have been so, like, naturally absorbed. Do you, uh, did you learn to read music through church, or was that, like, a later... Not at all. No, at all? Okay. no, <laughs> no, no, um, no, that, and that was a, that was a, a major struggle for me. Uh, yeah. Because I, you know, I, I learned to play way before I learned to, to read. Yeah, you know, um, and I, I uh, like I remember my my first year in in uh, music school. I was like, I, I failed theory one because I was like, what the heck are they talking about? Yeah, like I'd be I'd be smashing the ear training part. Yeah, but the theory would, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it just wasn't there because I hardly knew the notes on my guitar. Gotcha! You wow, know? man. So it was all just feel and hear. Yeah. Absolutely, but but it was cool once the the two started to kind of blend together. You know, I was like, oh, okay. I started to put. Uh, it was just a matter of putting labels on uh, what what I was hearing. You know, and and I, I find a lot of musicians that uh, I I love teaching a lot of musicians that that grew up in the church or or grew up in some type of uh, oral tradition because it just becomes a matter of putting labels to what they already know. God, oh, that kind of, that's kind of, it's kind of like uh, what we were saying with before, like you learn to talk before you learn to read, right? Yes. So that seems like the natural progression. And I know with like guitar players, it's kind of like, it's a real feel type of thing. You know what I mean? Not too many guitar players are going out of a book to start with like sax players mm-hmm. or trumpet players. So that yeah. tends to be the guitar struggle is learning to read. But wow, mm-hmm. I never thought of it in the in the language context, like putting that together. Yeah. That's really absolutely, cool. man. And and guitar is a funny instrument because there there are like a, a ton of different ways to play the exact same thing in the exact same register. For sure, for sure. So yeah. I think that's why a lot of guitar players struggle to read, also because we're like, well, what fingering do I use? You know. Yeah. Here's an E. <laughs> there's know? an E. There's an E. There's an E. There's an E. There's an E. Right. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. In the, in the same register, it's, it's a finicky instrument. You know? Another thing I wanted to, there was one thing I wanted to ask was, uh, you did uh, some recordings with Van Morrison? Like, Oh, yeah. What was that? That's like, uh, wait, what? That's amazing, but how'd that come about? Uh, well, Van uh, checked out, was, he checked out Joey, um, oh, okay. I think at Ronnie Scott's in, in London. And uh, 
kept in contact with him. And then I think, when did we do that first album? Uh, can't remember, even remember what year. I know uh, maybe 2018 because I, I, I remember we were uh, sleep training my daughter and I was like a walking zombie at that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we uh, oh yeah, we, we were on a gig in Germany with, with Joey and he was like, all right, uh, you guys got uh, two days off. I got to go to Ireland for some business. Like, Ireland? The heck is going on there? Uh, so we, you know, we just hung around uh, Stuttgart, uh, Germany for like, for a couple of days. Me and uh, the uh, sax player, Troy, we, 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 we hung for like, yeah, we hung that entire weekend. And Joey comes back and he's like, all right, you guys available in September for the studio? Like for what? Uh, we're playing. With, we're doing an album with Van Morrison. Like what? <laughs> what in the world? So, we, sure enough, we uh, we learned all of his music and uh, and went to uh, Sausalito, California, to to the studio. And there, 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 the man was like, you know, uh, he he wanted to do an album of. Uh, like some jazz, jazz and blues stuff. He's, yeah. he's like, he's like, I'm mainly blues. I'm mainly a blues player, you know. And uh, but he wanted to do some jazz stuff too. So it actually, it, it was a cool experience. We, uh, but the funny thing with, with him is like his his primary uh, gift is songwriting. Like he's yeah. a poet and he's an incredible songwriter. I mean, like if you if you look at some of the lyrics of his music. It's it's it could really double this poetry. Yeah, well, that's, um, he's the man. <laughs> he rips, absolutely vocally rips those songs. Are he's got classics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Modern so we, we, standards. Uh, yeah, man. It, it, it was funny too because he he would come in. When we did the second album, uh, The Prophet Speaks. He's like, I got some new tunes, and he he comes in with this like raggedy Walmart bag with this crinkled up paper. Wow. And some of the lyrics he's reading off. We're like getting the chills. We're like, what in the world? Like this cat's worth millions of dollars, and he got a raggedy Walmart bag full of genius material. But if anyone would have read that besides him, I don't know if it would be as genius. Like you know, what I mean, there's a certain wow. So is he like he's kind of a wild guy in history as far as like his antics? Was he like working with him, or was it just like pretty smooth going? It sounds like. He's eccentric, like you know, coming in with bags like of yeah. Of I mean, yeah, yeah, he, nuggets, he was, but. yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was, he was, uh, he's definitely uh, an eccentric guy. But uh, Joe, Joey kind of uh, helped uh, shield us from that, gotcha. from most of that. Okay, so know. he was dealing with him, and like he'd be like, follow me. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I think um, I think Van was was kind of uh, like. He knew that. I, th- I think he has a, a, a kind of a respect for jazz musicians because he kn- he was like he knows that we put so much time into our instruments. We're, we're not just going to come in the, in there just to just screw around in the studio and you know waste his time. Like we learned the music, we wrote out all the uh, all the changes, all the all the stuff, you know. And so we we just kind of came in there and like yeah okay cool on the on the seventh bar you want this and just. You know, ready to go. Like we, they, they had uh, the studio book for a week, and we finished the album in two days. Wow! You know, 
That's an, knocked him out. Jeez. I guess he yeah, had, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. We trying. We trying to. <laughs> fair enough. It was cool. Okay. I said fair enough when you get down you get that refund I guess <laughs> yeah man <laughs> it, it was nice man because we just got to hang around Sausalito for like for like uh, four more days oh, that's know? cool that's cool yeah um, man it was nice have you uh, nice. have you checked out any of these virtual shows yet that you're doing because uh, you're doing yeah I'd, Sunday at 8pm which is tomorrow when this yes. comes out but um Mm-hmm. Have you checked into any of them yet? Yeah, man. I've, I've been uh, a lot of my my buddies have been doing uh, like vir- uh, virtual shows and uh, all these. Uh, they've been going live on Instagram and Facebook. I, I did a a thing for, for uh, downtown Akron Partnership. Yeah, uh, where I just uh, I went live through their Facebook page, and you know it's it's been nice, man. I mean, it, this is uh, a lot of people are are viewing this is like oh man what what are musicians going to do but it's just a time for uh for us to get creative you yeah, know definitely agree and i'm i'm really hoping that it's a time where some of these uh there's there'll be kind of a paradigm shift with some of these streaming companies to where the actual model will change to where artists can get uh compensated for for their hard work fairly yeah you know because we're we're seeing uh, how uh, destitute some of uh, some of the artists are, yeah. you know, without being able to work. For sure. But if uh, perhaps if if uh, they were fairly compensated for for their work, then they would have more of a safety net. Definitely, and it, it means mm-hmm. to make these street because a lot of people are just doing it with their phone and their corner of the room that looks nice and just rolling with it and it's almost like the wild west of digital busking in a way yeah and like it's really hard to um find like a means that's gonna like help you out like it's not like these partnerships are really important because they do a lot of those are prepaid right and then yeah they're huge man and um like this virtual show one that you're doing on sunday Mm -hmm. that one's really cool in particular because they're that apply for it I know you kind of got a different in with the Tri C Jazz Fest, right? Their Tri C crew uh-huh. got got you involved with it with Dollars Time, mm-hmm. but there's like in the application, it's all about like how many gigs you have lost. So their whole thing is like helping out the the musicians that are really hustling and bustling and outwork from all this. Well, and that's it's, amazing. It's a really really cool program, and like that's why I wanted to help amplify it, and that's why we're talking right now, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> But, um, oh, that's really cool, man. It's a really, really cool thing as far as the virtual show. And, like, I'm really excited to see you play tomorrow. Or oh, man, thank tomorrow you. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool, Dan. Well, thanks so much for hanging out. appreciate your time. This has been a really fun conversation. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, man. appreciate it. Feel man. good about everything? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Anything, gonna... anything else you want to plug before we wrap it up? Um... No, well, just uh, you know, hit up my website, uh, danwilsonguitar.com. Sign up for the mailing list. Uh, really easy process, and uh, you know, just just really continue to uh, support the arts because uh, you know it's a it, it is a rough time for for the arts right now, and you know, even people in the service industry and uh, you know, pe- workers in the hospitals just can continue to to lift them up. 
in uh, any way you can because uh you know when stuff when stuff like this goes down it's uh it becomes readily apparent that these people make our lives better so if you can lift them up any any way you can uh I encourage that <laughs>